Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. How are you this morning? How was, oh. What are you thankful for? How was your weekend? Oh, it was so good. So, like, obviously, you know, my weekend's always great because I get to go to church on, you know, on... on well, on Friday night, we get together in our small group. On, on Saturday, we go to church. And on Sunday, we had our welcoming party for our uni club, uh... You know, uh, and it was a boat day. And I'm so grateful because it was so fun. We went wakeboarding and tubing and skiing and jet skiing and In all this rain. stuff. Well, it was like the weather was like patchy enough for it to be good. That's cool. It was awesome. That's but amazing. I can, I'm, I can barely move. Like I literally, <laughs> I'm so sore. I'm so, and I don't even want to get into the places where I'm sore and I feel injured. You're like sore in places you didn't even know, even know uh, you had places. That's right. I am like, but I am limping around, seriously. <laughs> well, because we wakeboarded all morning and like, you know, we're like jumping. That'll, and That'll make you sore. Yeah, but that then. That will definitely make you sore. We biscuited all afternoon and just and got that, that will slammed. Kill you. Like, that I will just got. Kill you. I got slammed so hard. I got bruises everywhere, like cuts and all up my body. Like it's, Last time I went. Last time I went wakeboarding, my knees were killing me the next day. Yeah. The last time I went on the biscuit, yeah, it just reefed. But I went just we did one turn on the thing, and my arms and my shoulders and my joints were just gone. Yeah. So I'm just I'm fully gone today. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. On the Breakfast Show, as we get into our. Uh, more uh, into our breakfast show. We're about to get into our quiz, and Lawson is about to bring us our first clue for our quiz. Lawson, welcome to the show. Welcome. Lyle, wake up. Wake up, Lyle. There's so many things happening in the background here. Lawson, bring (laughs) us the first quiz. For 100 points, who did Christ come into this world to save? There's a very 100-point question, guys. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do, if you do, for 100 points, you can win yourself a Faith FM bookmark and bumper sticker. But again, that question was, who did Christ come into this world to save? Okay, if you know the answer, then give us a call. 0491-064-669. Lawson, give us some positively different news. Okay, I've learned that magpies are actually smart. Okay. Yeah. Well, usually, like, my experience with magpies is getting swooped for no reason. Yes. And and that's terrible. Like, I've I've been uh, the recipient of many bicycle swoopings, you know, riding your bike, you know, down the track, on the road, whatever, and some magpies just come out of nowhere and attack you. And it's, like, literally the worst thing ever. One time, actually, I was walking. Oh, one time, I was I was letterboxing. So, I had a bunch of handbills. I was putting in letterboxes, um, promoting a, a program that we were running. I think this is actually, like, in 2017. So, this was years ago. And I was going through, and I walked through this little kind of bushy area, and I got swooped by a magpie so hard that it, like, cut my head and, like, knocked my headphones off my head and... I was like, oh, I hate magpies so much. Like after that, I was just like, these things are the worst. They shouldn't exist. You know, you just build up that that rage inside of you that like I've been oppressed. This has been injustice against me by magpies. Um, but turns out they're actually kind of cool. No, magpies are magpies and crows and those kind of birds. Ravens in general, yeah, are just amazing, dude. So the um, a group of scientists, this is specifically in Australia, uh, 
looking at our Australian magpie, they wanted to track magpies, see their migration path, see what they're doing. And so they put these tiny little backpacks on them. You know, they fitted these backpacks and they were like, okay, this will be able to to track the magpies everywhere and it probably won't disturb them and and it'll be all good. And this group of magpies that they gotten so magpies travel in like groups of 12 that's kind of like their their friend group like the 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 biggest of their their friend group is about 12 and they attached uh backpacks to like six of these magpies that were they could see were younger they weren't mature magpies and then the older magpies in their 12 person group came up and i guess they just looked at the magpie and was like hey you've got like a metal parasite on your back and within like 20 minutes, like, the older magpies had pecked and broken the backpacks, like, the trackers off the younger magpies, and then they all just flew away. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't last long. So That was a fail. These ornithologists who were trying to track these magpies are obviously not stoked with that, but they were stoked because it was, like, for them, they're finding, you know, uh, they they say it was, like, they've come to the conclusion that that it was a mix of, you know, rescue behavior as well as just general altruism amongst the magpies of, hey, let's try and help these guys out. Uh, showing that these things kind of like they have, a, they have a conscience towards one another. They're, they're friends with one another and they're like helping, helping each other out. Um, so obviously this is kind of left, uh, yeah, in some ways it's left the researchers a little bit red faced because they're like, oh, we just want to track these magpies and we <laughs> can't. Over, come uh, up with something different. But, uh, at the same time, yeah, it's given them lots to, to write about, to document and to test now and see like, oh, how far does this altruism go? I can see these, I can see these scientists totally getting dive bomb for like the next six years which is <laughs> like, like dude the magpies go back and tell us on, backpack us on us here's what's coming your way yeah they go back tell their magpie homies like oh they're trying to control us and then you know yeah just get new, the new world order that, is coming after magpies that's right down. that's their form of protest yes. that's their violent protesting is them just you know they are swooping. they are considered to be among the world's most intelligent creatures Mm. Uh, they're one of the few non-mammal mammal species that are able to recognise themselves in a mirror test. So they can look at really? the mirror and it's like, oh, that's me, that's a reflection. Whereas a lot of the time you'll see birds and they'll just peck endlessly, you know, at a chrome bumper bar or something or other because they think it's a, <laughs> a, 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 a another male and it's a threat and they've got to drive it away. That's so um, funny. But with magpies, they, they actually get the whole thing. These are incredibly intelligent and magpies won't dive bomb people who feed them. Oh, really? Yeah. If you feed magpies, those magpies that you're feeding, they will not dive bomb you. They know exactly who you are. They recognize your face. They recognize your clothes. They can recognize you from in front or behind, and they won't dive bomb you. See, those magpies, they didn't give me a chance to feed them. They just they, they just saw me and dive bombed. So I'm because yeah, like, they didn't know who you were. Yeah, but like, like who's this weird dude? I feel up the I just feel like being petty and just like not not trying to be friends with them. I just want to get rid of them. It's just. It's just sad. It is just kind of sad. But you know what? Go and feed them. Pray for me, please. They will like you. (laughs) Pray for me, and then I'll increase my ability to be able to be sympathetic um, to these magpies. In other news, um, okay, so I have two stories kind of back-to-back. I'll see if I can share both of them that are kind of obvious news. Are you ready? Are you ready? I read these this morning, and it was portrayed as like, wow, this is like the future. And I was like, 
bro, this is the current. Like, this is this is really, really obvious. The first one has to do with uh, energy, and the next one has to do with uh, with diet. So, in terms of energy, uh, the study, you know, has just come out, and this is specifically out of the UK. This is BBC reporting on this, and they were like, you know, um, uh, some of our like Tory MPs and everything. They're they're standing up. These people in the government, and they're like, this is this is the uh, this is their their catchphrase. This is their this this big like revelation that they've made that they're telling to the people um and they're saying um that if we cut out fossil fuels uh we will lower energy bills and i'm and i'm like listening to them say that and i'm like isn't that like really obvious no, because fossil fuels are really cheap. You know, you can produce energy for a fraction of the cost with by burning coal than you can with uh with with uh, you know renewables. But think about it. Think about think about it from this perspective. Fossil fuels are a non-renewable resource. So there's a That's limited right. amount of it. Yes. The more you mine it, the less there is. So the more expensive it becomes. The more expensive it becomes. So there's a natural drive up in price. That there will- is that and it will take place in the future. It's not a long way off yet. Yeah, but at the same time as all of this, um, like it ultimately takes work, like for those people to go and mine new areas, new make new coal mines to get fossil fuel to burn. Um, whereas, like, aren't we at the point where entire households can run off their individual solar panels? We are. However, renewables are never going to pre- create base power. Mm-hmm. And you've still got to have, you know, base power to be able to run a house. And so that's either going to be in the form of coal or lithium. Mm-hmm. And lithium is still more expensive than coal. But you can you keep lithium for a long time, right? Yes, but it's still very expensive stuff. Fair enough. I don't know. I just I like I just know anecdotally uh, through. Now, having said that, I, I love the concept. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. And, you know, when I build a house, I'm going off grid. I just don't want to be on the grid. Yeah, totally. Uh, so one of my uncles, he lives in Western Australia. He's, like, set up a solar farm, like, like a, not a big one, just, like, a pretty small one that powers his house that he gets paid by the government for. Yes. Because it's, it's charging the grid so much. So he's, like, fully off the grid power-wise. He doesn't need any base power um, because his solar farm is big enough and he gets enough good conditions to where... He's just living the best life. Like he's. Yeah, I got I got some friends who do the same thing. It's, just, it's absolutely amazing. I, it's definitely where I want to be. Yes, I'm, I'm. I I just see it as like a no brainer. This statement of like, oh, if we start reducing the use of fossil fuels, then energy prices will lower because you don't have to dig for solar panels. They just exist and sit there and work, and you service them every ten years or something. So I th- I was like, wow, this is fantastic news that I feel like I already knew about it, that <laughs> people are kind of already practicing um, and will continue to practice in the future, I guess. Um, but, okay, my other super obvious story that I read, um, you know, catchphrase, headline, guys, it was like, you know, new studies have found over, over like 20 years and in, in studying people who have suffered from all different kinds of diseases, heart diseases, cancers and everything, that ultimately when they started to increase, uh, to have an uptake in their consumption of fruit and vegetables and drink lots of water, then they lived longer. Oh, and wow. I, and I was like, who would have ever thought? I was like, wow, that's incredible. So I just, I just wanted to share with you that with you guys this morning that, hey, uh, that fossil fuels are on the way out. Uh, renewables are cheaper and change your diet, live a better life, live longer, 
eat fruit and veggies. Like, I was just like, wow, fantastic stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. As we jump into our more serious news section, but before we do, as always, Lawson has another question for our pentathlon quiz. That's right. Lawson, what is question number two for 200 points? All right, for 200 points, what son's birth was foretold to his 99-year-old father, Abraham? Wow, that is a bit of... I just gave away the answer to the the quiz. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. Oh, man, I am like... I'm... It is v- definitely Monday morning. It is so like, Monday morning. The last, the, last, the last segment, I was so confused, and now, and now the confusion has moved. Okay, let me, let me repeat. I don't feel so bad now. Let me repeat that again. What's, okay, we're talking about the son's birth. Okay, what son's birth was foretold to his 99-year-old father, Abraham? Okay, that makes so much sense. Uh, 0491064669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And for 200 points, you can net yourself uh, either an issue of Science Magazine or you get those points on the board. Continue to answer all the questions for the quiz. If you get every single question correct, then you win every single prize. So 0491064669 is the number to call. Okay, so we've, from time to time we talk about the uh, COVID pandemic and we thought Ooh. we might talk about it again this morning. And this time, uh, some interesting research that is beginning to come out about the physical effects of the pandemic and the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And there's been a number of physical effects uh, in the health of children. So we're well, well aware of you know, the rise of domestic abuse and mental mm-hmm. illness as a result of lockdowns. It's been well documented. Uh, but one of the uh, one of the effects, or the first one, is one that I guess we probably should have should have picked up on, but is myopia or short sightedness. And so, uh, in a survey of a hundred thousand kids, myopia has doubled since the pandemic began, uh, and of course, this is in children. What are they like? What is the correlation here? Like, what do they think this is caused by? Obviously, like they're in the pandemic, but it's because of staying inside and like inside screen time. Okay, okay, that's fair it. enough. That's it right there. Mm. Uh, kids not getting outside, kids not playing sport, uh, their eyes not being exercised properly, mm. um, and so they're developing short-sightedness. So when you're only looking at things that are close to you and you're never looking at the horizon, then your eyes deteriorate, and it has deteriorated dramatically. Now, uh, there's about one in three Australian kids, of course, that have never been tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, for short-sightedness, and so they know that there's a lot of kids out there that are going to need glasses that, you know, don't even have any idea yet mm-hmm. that they're going to need them. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. The second one is a spike in sports injuries. Now, this one is, I, I guess, rather predictable. You've got kids who are coming back into sports and they've lost a whole level of fitness during the pandemic, and so they're a lot more vulnerable to injuries, and so that has definitely spiked. But that's something that will pass. You know, as the sports pick back up again and kids get back into sports, their fitness level is going to come back up. Uh, the short-sightedness, no, that's not going to pass. That's here to stay. Mm. But the uh, the fitness level will come back, uh, hopefully, as we get our kids out. I think there's a real lesson here, though, and that is that regardless of whether there's a pandemic or not, your kids shouldn't be inside all the yeah. time and they shouldn't be sitting in front of screens. You know, we had this rule when our kids were small and, of course, we lived on land, so we had the, the luxury of living on land. But, you know, even if you're living in town, there are lots of things you can do. There's, you know, there's play areas, there's uh, mm. skate parks, there's football fields, whatever there is around town that uh, kids can involve themselves in. But, you know, it's just like if it's, if it's not raining, you're outside. 
Yep. And if it's raining, you can come inside and play Legos. But if it's not raining, you're outside. Yeah. Oh, that's a pretty fair rule. Like, and, and as well, and no screens outside of the living room. And a lot of the legislation surrounding COVID and lockdowns and all that stuff essentially made it so that kids could go outside. Like, they were the least affected by any restriction or lockdown. So, what is stopping them from leaving their house? You know. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I think what it, I think what happened was that you know kids often you know a lot of their outside time is while they're at school these days, mm, and so totally. when they're at home, there's a lot of screen time, and so when they're home all the time, it just becomes just screen time. Yep. And when school is there, now joining us this morning, I should say, <laughs> is, uh, is 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 Ernst. Uh, Ernst William is uh, a new pastor in the local area. Mm-hmm. He's going to be sharing his testimony here in a minute and his genuine hey, faith. Awesome. Um, yeah, Good morning. Ernst, Ernst, jump in on the conversation. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I remember growing up, yeah, I spent most of my day outside mm. the house. I barely spent any time inside the house uh, growing up. Uh, I was part of that Gen X uh, generation where we just uh, spent, yeah, the whole was, day apart from it dinner. It was the best. And, it was so healthy. Yeah. Mm. So healthy, so good for your health. Mm. Um, then the third thing that they've been noticing is babies developing their motor skills, both fine motor skills and gross motor skills, about a month late. Which is interesting. Okay. What they're putting it down to is stressed mothers. Yeah, fair enough. It's a high level of stress on the mother, and the babies actually develop their motor skills about a month late. Uh, and what they're saying on this one is, don't freak out. It's no mm. biggie. It all evens out by about the age of one, so it really makes no difference at all. Yeah, that's right. Because okay. I, I, I've heard like a lot of, you know, when, when all, all kinds of things happen in the womb, like, you know, if there's like a lack of oxygen and stuff like that, like babies can come out like less developed, but then... At, at least, like in some cases, it might take up to the time they're they they hit like puberty, or by the time they're yeah, eighteen and stuff. But but ultimately, it works out in the end, yeah. Mm. But the, the the real lesson here is that uh, um, for mothers not to be stressed. Um, mm. Our daughter-in-law, I don't think she was stressed by the lockdowns. So she's kind of quite happy, and our yeah. grandbaby is just doing just fine. Yep, mm. I saw a video of her yesterday. Actually, your grandchild yes. in roller skates. Yes. Um, well, now, the best. she's also like a literal baby and yes. was being held in those roller skates, right. but it looked pretty cool. So. Oh, she was so happy. You have no <laughs> idea. Mm. All right, let's look at this story in California. Um, this one's pretty full on. And so basically what you've got is that pedophiles are continuing to find ways of being able to legalize abuse and grooming. Oh, so yes. as, as we have you know, created all of these different uh, regulations so that we can push them out of places where they have access to children, they continue. They seem to be the, most, the, the smartest and most devious group that there is within society. They continue to find ways of getting in. And so last week we were looking at you know, how they'd create a curriculum so that they can talk about sex and rank, radical gender ideology to pre-kindergarten children mm. that should be playing with teddy bears. I mean, these are pre-Lego children. Mm. And you're talking about... Radical gender ideology? Mm. It's just it's just sickening. Okay, so this one is that they are now allowed to and are sleeping in the same rooms as kindergarten children and primary school children at school camps. Now, we know from research that the number one most dangerous place for institutional child abuse is at school camps. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's where by far the most of it takes place. And now we're letting biological males sleep in the same room as little girls. Oh, so what kind okay. of what kind of person mm. even wants to do that? Um, and so they're sharing, uh, sharing cabins and rooms with uh, fifth grade girls. So this took place at the Weaver Elementary uh, uh, School in Los 
Alamos, uh, California. Mm-hmm. And the school, of course, didn't tell any of the parents that this was going to happen. They wow. defended it because it was entirely legal under Californian law because these particular uh, men used they, them pronouns. And so all you have to do is have they, them pronouns and you get entire mm. access. And it's all about access. When it comes to abuse, it is all about access. Mm. And all you have to do to get access now is use they, them pronouns. Um, and the, the school said that the staff are placed in cabins that they say that they identify with. Um, and so, you know, this is something that as parents we need to be aware of. We need to be very, very aware of what is mm. taking place. And this is on this is this is with another story that came out over the weekend where you've got uh, a, a report coming out of the Vatican, and I'll bet none of you heard about this. I, I did not. You don't even know what the report is. Uh, I you just I yeah. I, d- I have no idea. You're about to tell me. I am. But I'm just letting you know that I but did I not searched hear about it. every major news site that I could find this morning to see if this was on the major news sites and couldn't find it anywhere. Of course, everyone's talking about the Ukraine. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Vatican report that in Italy, in the country of Italy, they're estimating that over one million children have been abused. Wow. This is the Vatican report. Uh-huh. So are they saying like within the within their institution? Okay, okay, within their Yikes. institution. Yikes! That's that's. I mean, that's that's just off the charts. Do they have a time? Period I mean, this this, this does or? match up with other countries that have done you know similar investigations in mm. the past. I mean, France came up with a number of uh, nearly two hundred and twenty thousand. Um, so that's you know considerably less. But um, and the time frame the time frame was just stated in the last decades. Oof. So we don't know how many decades mm-hmm. that was. That's just what the report says. I'm just sharing what the report says. And the question that goes through my mind is, okay, why have we heard nothing about this? Mm-hmm. Have we become so immune to these kinds of stories that we just don't report them anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, well, you know, and it's the way it works with the news media. Once something becomes uh, overreported, they stop reporting on it because nobody's interested anymore. Have we lost interest in the safety and the well-being of our children? Wow. Mm-hmm. And when you think about this, I mean, Charles Tinnicky was reporting on this kind of stuff back in the 1800s and it was just like, oh, he's an anti-Catholic bigot. He was an ex-Catholic priest. He's an anti-Catholic bigot and nobody believed him and he was a conspiracy theorist and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is that our Royal Commission identified uh, the confessional and the celibacy of the priesthood as the two biggest contributing factors and those two institutions have been around for at least 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. So what is that long and dark history? You know, has humanity changed? Uh, it's just mm. this is serious stuff, friends, and we need to be protecting our children right now. I've used up too much time on this story. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, we're about to have our interview of the day, and uh, we've got somebody in the studio today, which is super exciting. We rarely get to have someone in the studio. It kind of died out a lot when. Uh, you know, COVID came and we could only have us mm-hmm. in the studio, but... Um, Barely as well, like sitting on opposite sides of the rooms, like, you know, yeah, pushing each other you stay away. away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that kind of the kind of attention, you know. Uh-huh. But now we have someone. We do. We have a real living flesh and blood person. The one. The only. <laughs> in the, <laughs> in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> Ernst William is with us. Before we get to Ernst's story, we have the 300-point Question for our quiz. All right. For 300 points, it's simply this. Paul calls himself the what of 
Sinners. 0491-064-669 is the number to call for 300 points. You can win yourself a pocket sermon or get those points on the board. Continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, Paul calls himself the what of sinners. 0491-064-669. Give us a call or text. Let us know. Okay, so Ernest William is somebody I've known for a long time. Uh, he's just moved to the area. That's correct. So blessed. Oh, I don't so remember, good. I don't remember when we first met. Maybe uh, uh, AYC, Australian Youth Conference yes, or something I like think that. Yes, I that probably be it. Yep. North Queensland or yes. Melbourne or Sydney or uh, one yeah. of those. Yeah, one of those. goes course. back a long way, but mm. the long and the short of it is that uh, we've had a few connections down through the years. My son worked for you as a Bible worker for he a did. while. yes. Uh, and you've just you've just moved to just kind of like round the corner from where we are. That's right. Yeah. How yeah. far away are you from the studio? Oh, about a ten minute drive. Ten minute drive. Uh, yeah. So Ernst is just landing in our backyard. So we're like, we've got to get this guy on the radio and hear his story. And over all of the years that I've sort of known you and bumped into you from time to time, I've never actually heard your story. So I'm super keen to uh, to hear your story. Now, okay. Ernst sounds. That kind of sounds like a German name. It is, yes. My William, father was German. William sounds like a British name. Yeah, my mum was English. Always <laughs> English, I should say. She's still alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so you've got... Uh, now, you say your dad was German. Yep. Did he? Was he born in Germany? He was, yeah, Berlin. Okay. Yep. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, and so you were born... Interesting story. I was born in New Guinea. In New Guinea? Yeah, okay. New Guinea. Okay, yeah. that's pretty wild. Yeah, my, my dad was a carpenter. He was working kind of up and down the eastern coast of Australia and New Guinea and Tasmania. And uh, my mum, uh, she was a nurse or yeah, and, and wanted to travel the world and uh, had read a book apparently when she was very young about missionary work in, uh, in New Guinea. And this was a place that she wanted to go. So she was working there. My dad was working there. They met. I was born and they came to Australia and mm. the rest is history. That's amazing. Fancy going to New Guinea and finding a German husband. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would expect to find a New Guinea husband in, in, in New Guinea, but yeah. you find a German husband in New Guinea. That's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. So how long did you live in New Guinea for? I've asked my mum that question numerous times. She can't remember, but I think it was roughly a year or under a year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Don't you, exactly know. So you're PNG citizen? No, no, Australian. Okay. Fully Australian. Fully Australian. Yeah. All right, all right. Okay, so... Um, I do have some cool videos, though. Like, they had some, is it 16-inch millimetre, whatever they were, like uh, cameras film, or yeah, videos wow. when I was a baby and some different photos of tribes and different things going on. So I've got a little bit of a picture of what, what it was like, but yeah. What part of New Guinea? Uh, Goroka. Goroka Highlands. Mm. Yep. Yep. Nice. Okay, so um, your parents, you, you mentioned your mum was, she read a book and was interested in missionary work. Yes. Your parents Christians? Uh, no, I don't think dad was a Christian. Mum believes in God, but she has some funny theories and we have interesting discussions and debates <laughs> yeah. over the years. Yeah. Uh, that can be fun with family at times. Mm. Um, all right, so, so how did... So you're a, you're a pastor. You're in ministry. How do you go from being born in New Guinea to um, a mum who has interesting ideas and a dad who is German? I mean, this is a very very diverse background. Yeah, and you're a Christian pastor of a local church. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Uh, how long we got? <laughs> but, uh, 10 minutes and 26 minutes. seconds. Right. Get started and we'll get producers. <laughs> All right, basically. Producer Shell can add some more time in if we need to, maybe. Yeah, well, look, I grew up in uh, as a kid in Granville. I think we are in King's Cross for a period, but then we're living in Granville. Sydney area. Yep, Sydney area. Then we moved to Mount Druitt, spent most of my life growing up in the West. So King's Cross, Mount Druitt. Granville to Mount Druitt, yeah, yeah. Granville's a little bit better, but these are not like your... Yeah. Number one suburbs. No, they're not. They're not. Yeah. Although, Particularly back in your day. For sure. For sure. Man, we used to have uh, cars on fire in the park and the car park, you know, packs of dogs that used to chase you, videos that would get stolen right under your nose back in the day when you had DVD players. Yeah. Crazy, crazy area <laughs> to live. Yeah. Yeah. But look, I grew up in a family that, that uh, we didn't have any devotions. We didn't read the Bible. We didn't go to church. Um, that was my, my life pretty much for a number of years. Uh, did have a couple of occasions where we'd have interactions with individuals who were Christians. You know, you'd have certain individuals kind of, you know, knocking on the door, wanting to uh, speak to you about God, or you'd go to school and there used to be, uh, I think it was called ICF back in the day, where we would sit down or, you know, they'd share by, you know, some scripture and stuff with you. But I had no concept of God at all. Nothing wow. at all. So nothing about God. I'd see, I remember at Easter time seeing these movies with someone dying on the cross, and that never—I didn't even know what that meant. I wasn't even didn't even know that was real. Mm. Yeah. So where where did that change? How did that change? And how old were you when it changed? Oh uh, well, look, I, I must uh, basically through through high school, pretty much alone. I didn't didn't have many friends or anything. But one thing that really caught my attention in the latter half of those years was uh, music. Mm. A friend of mine approached me and said, "Hey, you want to? You want to? Um, we're going into a talent quest uh, as the Beatles, and we need someone. They need a fourth member. They've got the three. They've got John, Paul, and George, but they needed Ringo. And so, uh, <laughs> okay. and I, I was like, Ringo I was, in the studio this morning. <laughs> I was very shy, and I didn't want to be up the front. And I said, you know what? Just put me up the back. I'll, I'll take that spot. And so mm. we went into this talent quest as the Beatles, dressed up, did all the thing." Uh, we we came. I think we lost, but it, it, it started. It started something. It way. Gave, it I gave think me, we lost. Is probably another way of saying we came last. Yeah, we came last. That's right. But it kind of created a um, well. It created kind of a pseudo identity. You know, on the one hand, I was Ernst, but on the other hand, I began to take on the character of the individual that we were playing up on stage. So Ringo, oh, I became wow. Ringo to the to all my friends and and colleagues and that. and so. That was something that developed when we left school, basically started getting serious about music because only one of us at that time mm. could play an instrument. The rest of us were just miming. That's um, probably why you didn't do so well. Yeah, probably. We were playing live. We were the, we yeah. were the one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, high school, yeah, we started playing Beatle music for ourselves, started picking up instruments. I didn't have the money to buy a drum kit, so in the end I became the bass player, and so that's oh. how that developed. Um, yeah, but progressively our music went from kind of, you know, uh, pop to rock to rap to metal and heavy metal. So progressively through different bands I was playing in, this, this was the big focus of my life. Um, but I had this very interesting encounter with a born-again Christian uh, in Mount George Shopping Centre. Me and my friend, we used to go walking and check out the ladies, in, uh, <laughs> as, as you do back in the day. Um, and I remember sitting down, we met this guy, and uh, he, he, he said, hey, you know, I just want to share something with you. And we're kind of like feeling a bit weird about this. We, I thought it was like Candid Camera. Back in the day, there was a program called Candid Camera. Maybe someone's got a camera on us. But anyway, we were sitting there, and he began to unpack his life and talk about how he used to take drugs and smoke dope and do all these things, sleep around, all this type of stuff. 
And then he said how he started sharing his testimony, how God came into his life. And um, I remember at the end of this, uh, him sharing his testimony, he said, hey, do you mind if I pray for you guys? And we're like, uh, okay. And what he did, he got his hands, he kind of placed his hands over our heads and he prayed. And I'll never forget, like, I know we don't go off feeling and stuff like that, but uh, I felt like a, a bolt of lightning kind of entered my body. It just that's how I describe it. And uh and it got me interested in God, at least initially. It did probably last for about a week, and then I moved on. But from there, it, it, it was one of those stepping stones that left a impression upon me that has kind of carried along throughout my life. Wow. So during this time, um, yeah, with the whole heavy metal, playing in different pubs throughout Sydney, um, we were practicing every week. Of course, that brought the whole lifestyle in with it, you know, partying, smoking dope, drugs, all that type of stuff all came with it. Um but I remember sitting at a party one day, I was off my face, I was like, and I remember it was just one of those moments, I think God spoke to me in that moment, because I, as I was sitting there, I was kind of wondering, you know, God spoke to me, not, not audibly, but, but the impression came to me that, what am I doing with my life? Mm. And, and that was a real game changer as I sat there, you know, everyone around me just partying, doing their thing, and it was like, what? what am I doing here? What, what's real? Because the band at this point was kind of falling apart, wasn't going anywhere. That was my motivating focus of what I wanted to do in life, but it wasn't working. So I remember somehow from one end of Blacktown to the other, walking home you know, off my face, I somehow got home. And it was around that point where my brother, now you'll see the photo this weekend, Lawson, when you come to church. But uh, <laughs> Okay, so if you want to hear this, you want to hear this story in, yeah, with in, visuals. in depth with, with photos, <laughs> Go to uh, Lawson's ASOC Church this week. Yeah, the Newcastle University Adventist Church. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll see the photos. Mm. But uh, yeah, cool here photo for details. I, I throw off on my brother. If you look at this guy, you know, he's, he was into death metal and thrash metal, all this kind of stuff. And anyway, he was kind of into that. And I usually show this photo, but he wasn't aware of it, but was getting interested in God and was getting baptized. And he invited me to come along to his baptism. I didn't even know what that was, but I thought, hey, it's my brother. I want to support him. So we went along to this church in Old Man Druid, and, uh, you know, the pastor, I don't remember a thing that the pastor said, but uh, all I do remember is my brother up the front uh, with his friends. He was getting baptized, got wet, came out, and at the end of the service, the, the minister, he made an appeal. He said, you know, put your hand up if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I was sitting there with mum in this pew, and I remember kind of looking at mum, and she was looking at me, and she turned to me, and she said, oh, you will never become a Christian. She knew my lifestyle. She knew everything that I got up to. And my hand went up. Mm. I, I, I responded <laughs> to the appeal as I was sitting there. It was kind of almost feels like it was sequential. It happened at the same time. My hand going up as mum saying, you'll never become a Christian. It feels that way as I reflect back. But uh, but that some, the Holy Spirit was moving that day. Um, I had no intention of joining a church or anything like that prior to going to that service. I was just there to support my brother. And, uh, yeah, from there, I just got interested in God. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to have seen the look on your mum's face as those words are coming out of her mouth. Yeah. And your hand is going up at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, so from there, like, just this really strong conviction from the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of saying, hey, you need to go to church. And I kept putting it off, and my brother would be going every week. At that time, he was going to, they call it Hillsong today. Back then, they had another name for it, but in Castle Hill. AOG. Yeah, AOG Church. And um, basically he was attending that church every week. He would say, hey, do you want to come along? And I'm like, 
yeah, I'll make up some excuse. No, 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 too busy, too tired, whatever. But every week it was just this growing conviction, you need to go to church. And so Mm. I remember I went to church and uh, sitting there on a Sunday service, and um, only this time it wasn't just a small church in the back of uh, Mount Jordan, Old Mount Jordan. This was a church that had three services with over a 1,000 people in each service. And I remember I was way, way, way down the back, and I remember the pastor there made an appeal again. Put your hand up if you want to respond and accept uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I had my hand up, although I was miles away this time from where the speaker was, and I thought, yeah, no one can see me here. And then, um, yeah, on the way out, they had these bouncers on the doors where they would pull you aside. Ah. They were looking for you, anyone showing a response or interest. And so they pulled me aside, and, and this, this gentleman said to me, hey, you know, you're interested in doing some Bible studies midweek. And so I, I started going, attending the, this uh, series of Bible studies in um, Castle Hill. It was in a place called Do Duck Inn, I remember. And um, so I'd go there every Wednesday night, I think it was, and we would just do one study a week. Although i got to say, I was, it was my first experience walking into one of these Bible studies. I had this little band in the corner, mm. and they were playing a Lenny Kravitz song, Are You Going to Go My Way? And I'm walking in, I've, I've come from that, well, I'm still currently in that scene, but coming into it, I'm like, wow, that's weird. Why are they, what they, sorry, it wasn't Lenny. It was his music, but they put Christian words to his song. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what they had saying. done. Yep, and I'm yep, thinking, yep. what, what is this? This feels weird. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> that, that was, anyway, from there. And so I started going every week and, and it reached a point where um, they were discussing the meaning of the cross. And I remember um, sitting in this group, age 23, hearing for the first time and understanding for the first time that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I remember I was with a group of guys in this little small group, and I remember I was just weeping. I was just crying. Like just this is the first of, time you actually understood what, yep. the, what the crucifixion and the cross was all absolutely, about. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, in that moment. And it was just this really, really powerful moment, yeah. Oh, and so I started going to, to this church um, every Sunday along with my brother, um, but over time, how long we got? We got. We need to. Yeah, we're getting. We're, just, we're probably going to take this into the next segment because I really want to hear a lot more of this story. Um, but yeah, produce yourselves, giving you a little bit more time there. So go for it. All right. Yeah. From there, so attending every Wednesday nights. But in the meantime, a friend of mine who was George Harrison back in the Beatle days. Oh, yes. He had met an Adventist Christian. Okay. Young lady at the Blacktown Seventh Adventist Church. Right. Yes. And so he invited me to come along and play bass guitar for a group that they were forming. Mm. called Simple Faith. Um, interestingly, one of my previous bands had been called Strange Faith, and now I was shifting to Simple Faith. Wow. Nice, yeah. nice transition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I started coming along on a Friday night, and this, by the way, is when I first met Marsha. She, my wife, she, mm. or future wife, she was the one who was forming this group. So I was going to church on a Friday night and um, learning these songs, and then going, often we would do um, special items around um, Sydney, playing in different churches, but then on Sunday I'd go to my church at the Pentecostal church. So, yeah, I got a lot of church going all weekend going to church. So you've gone from being, like, not a spiritual person to being a very spiritual person. You're yeah. going to church twice a weekend or three times or whatever it might be. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, from there, when I was uh, attending my home church in Castle Hill, as I was reading the scriptures, I was starting to see some things that were not consistent with what I was reading in the Bible. Okay, so I want to hear more about that story. Mm. And we're going to come back after the 8 o'clock news, and okay. we're going to cut into our Bible study time a little bit just to hear about you know that part of your journey. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. 